Hi guys, welcome back to another Horror, Wine, and Crime. To this hey. part two episode. Hey creepies, hey KK. How are you doing this evening, Lo? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, we just got back from an intense baseball game. Excuse me, softball game. I get corrected by everybody every time I say it. Softball. I was about to be like, you better correct yourself right now. Um, so it was it was a good game, um, definitely intense, and had some Jersey Mike's, <clears throat> not paid advertisement, on my way home, and uh, now I'm here with you, so we're good. Good. Yeah, I um made some tacos, so... Not as exciting as the Jersey Mike's, but yeah, me and Lo are we're recording virtually tonight for you guys, and we're getting a little bit of a late start because it's like past 10 o'clock right now. So yeah. I don't think this is <laughs> I don't think this is the latest we've ever recorded. I feel like there was a time it was a little bit later, but like we're pretty close to that. Yeah, but we're gonna make it. We're going to do it. We're going to get through it. Chris is going to take us on another journey. Same story, just a continuation. She's going to continue telling us about these toolbox bonehead murderers. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully um, you guys... If you haven't, so this is part two of the two toolbox killers. Um, so if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you head back and listen to that first and then come back here. Um, but yeah, hopefully you're ready again for another <laughs> dark journey because it's not going to get much lighter. Um, and hopefully you took some time to watch something positive and fun in between these two episodes. To give your mind a break. Um, but yeah, before we get started back into it, shout out to the one and only Dax. <laughs> Dax and the clan. What up? And yeah, I think without further ado, we can just jump right into this part two of the story. Unless you have something to add, Lo. Get your wine. Get your crime face ready. Get cozy. Get cleaning. Get driving. Whatever it is you're doing. I'm currently, just to paint a picture for you all, I'm leaning on my floor and my computer is on a laundry basket. So I'm real profesh over here. Lowe's <laughs> <laughs> over there professional at her like desk in her office and I'm just in my bedroom with my Mike propped up on a laundry basket, so. <laughs> hey, whatever gets your job done, okay? Yep, exactly. <laughs> whatever works. But thank you for keeping it honest. Yeah, you know, I just like to be relatable to the people. <laughs> I know you guys think that I'm just like, I don't know, this like crazy out of touch person, but <laughs> I'm just like you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. 
so like i said if you haven't listened to part one jump back now um but otherwise we're gonna jump right back into where we left off so last week when we ended um lawrence and roy had taken on a couple of their first two victims and now we're going to jump into a few more that they unfortunately got um so the next ones that we have are jackie doris gilliam and jacqueline leon lamp so this took place on september 3rd lawrence and roy they kind of they observed the two girls Jackie and Jacqueline, they were sitting on a bus stop bench near Hermosa Beach. Now, the girls had been hitchhiking along the Pacific Coast Highway before Lawrence and Roy saw them um, as they were kind of just taking a rest and a break at the bus stop because they weren't getting any luck getting a ride anywhere. So they kind of saw them and they thought that this was like the perfect opportunity to grab them as their next victims. So they went up to the girls. They offered them a ride. And, you know, they were out there hitchhiking. So obviously they accepted because that's what they were trying to do. Now, once they got inside of the van, both of the girls were offered marijuana by Roy. And they both had accepted. So shortly after entering the van... Both girls realized that Lawrence, he steered the van off the Pacific Coast Highway and was driving in the direction of the San Gabriel Mountains. So they were kind of like freaking out at this point, you know, realizing, hey, this isn't the direction that we asked you to take us. And both Lawrence and Roy attempted to, you know, calm the girls down and like, try to like ease their concerns with all these excuses um but it did not deceive the girls they knew like something was up so lamp who was 13 she attempted to open the sliding door um to try to like jump out and then roy hit her on the back of the head with a bag filled with lead weights briefly knocking her unconscious um And then he overpowered 15-year-old Gilliam. Now, as he began to bind and gag Gilliam, Lamp then regained consciousness and she tried to attempt to flee the van where Roy twisted her arm behind her back and then he dragged her back into the van. So as the struggle was kind of like ensuing, Lawrence, he noted that the girl's struggle was in full view of, like, potential witnesses nearby. So he stopped the van. He punched the 15-year-old Gilliam in the face. And then he assisted Norris in finishing, binding, and gagging the two girls. So he kind of saw, like, there's a possibility for them to get caught. You know, they he saw people that could have witnessed all of this happening. So he's, like, in his mind, saying he's got to knock them out so that nobody sees anything. Which totally makes 100% sense to, like, himself. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Like, 
I just, it sounds like it was just like a lot of chaos happening inside of the van like really quickly too so the girls were then driven to the san gabriel mountains which you know if you remember from last episode that was kind of their go-to place that they would take all of their victims um and once they got there they were held captive for almost two days um you know they were being bound and gagged between repeated instances of both sexual and physical abuse and both men slept in the van alongside the two hostages and each alternatively were kind of like acting as a lookout so as one would sleep the other one would stay awake and like be on alert and this one was definitely different like this this attempt that they had was different than the other ones because the other two girls that they had killed you know it, it happened all on the same night it wasn't like a multiple day kind of thing where this lasted multiple days on one occasion lawrence walked 13 year old lamp onto a nearby hill and he forced her to pose for pornographic pictures before returning her to the van. And then Lawrence also asked Norris to take several Polaroid pictures of himself and Gilliam, both nude and clothed. So in the first of three instances in which Lawrence raped Gilliam, he also created a tape recording of himself um, forcing himself on her. Um, forcing the girl to pretend that she was his cousin and informing Gilliam to feel free to express her pain. So, you know, they had this whole, like, sick, twisted, like, story that they wanted to play out, too. And they wanted to, like, film and take pictures of all of it happening. So, they stay up. They have a lookout. No witnesses. Very careful watching to make sure nobody sees anything, but then they put it all on film and pictures and all kinds of evidence there. Right. It, it makes <laughs> no sense. Like, I don't know if they were planning to keep it for their own records or like what they were planning on doing. Like just for the sick, like sense of them viewing it. And like hiding it themselves, but I don't know. I just feel like why go through all that work to not get caught just to like basically record everything. So Lawrence is also known to have tortured Gilliam. He was apparently he stabbed her breasts with an ice pick. And used vice grip pliers to tear off one of her nipples. Ouch. I know. After almost two days of captivity, Lamp and Gilliam were ultimately murdered. Um, now, at Lawrence's trial, Roy claimed that he had suggested that Gilliam be killed quickly. Um, because apparently, unlike Lamp, she had been largely cooperative throughout the period of her captivity, where Lawrence says, no, they only die once anyways. 
um, basically saying like, we can only do this once, so let's make it like torturous for them. And Gilliam was struck in the ear, both of her ears with an ice pick, and then she was strangled to death. And after Lawrence had murdered Gilliam, he then forced Lamp out of the van. Upon exiting the sliding door, Lawrence shouted to her, you wanted to stay a virgin, now you can die a virgin, before Roy struck her upon the head with a sledgehammer. Um, and then Lawrence again strangled Lamp until he believed that she had died, but she opened her eyes and Roy hit her again as Lawrence was strangling her to death. So she was just like being strangled and like bashed in the head by both of them. And yet again, both of their bodies were then thrown over an embankment into um, like over the side of the mountain, which apparently was just their go-to with all of them. So then we move on to Shirley Lynette Ledford. Now, this was their final victim. She was 16 years old. And this happened on October 31st, 1979. So Shirley was abducted as she stood outside a gas station. And she was hitchhiking home from a Halloween party in the Sunland suburb of Los Angeles. Now, investigators believe that Shirley accepted a ride home from Lawrence and Roy because she recognized Lawrence um, because he was known to have frequented the restaurant um, where she was a part-time waitress. So, you know, they think, oh, she's hitchhiking and she recognizes him, so she probably felt, like, safe enough to get into his car. So upon accepting the offer of a ride home and entering the van, Shirley was offered marijuana by Roy, um, which she didn't accept. She didn't want to smoke any. Um, and then Lawrence drove the van to a secluded street where Roy drew a knife. And then he bound and gagged Shirley with construction tape. So Lawrence then, he kind of did something different this time. He traded places with Roy. Usually Lawrence was the one driving most of the time. Um, but yeah, he traded places with Roy, who he drove in an aimless manner for over an hour as Lawrence was in the back of the van with Shirley. Now, after removing the construction tape from her mouth and her legs, Lawrence then tormented her. He initially was slapping and mocking her and then beating her with his fist as he rep repeatedly shouted for her to say something. And then as Shirley began screaming, he was like telling her to scream louder. So as she was screaming... He kept hitting her and he kept saying, what's the matter? Don't you like to scream? So basically he was just like, like it kind of said, like mocking her and torturing her. 
Which this was interesting to me because he knew her. At least he like slightly knew her because he saw her as his waitress like all the time at the restaurant. So the fact that he wanted to switch places with Roy and go back there instead of drive. It's like, is it because he knew her and like he felt like more of a personal connection to her? Like, I don't know. I, I just. I just think that it's weird that this is the time he wanted to switch places, you know, when he kind of knew the girl. Um, now, as Shirley was, you know, crying and pleading out, she repeatedly kept saying, you know, leave me alone, don't touch me. And in response, Lawrence, again, he just kept ordering her to scream as loud as she could um, and then began, you know, hitting her with a hammer, beating her breast with his fist, and then torturing her with pliers, um, both between and throughout instances where he would then rape her. So it was like nonstop. He was either screaming at her, beating her, hitting her with a hammer, or sexually assaulting her. Like, these guys just take torture, like, the word torture, to, like, a whole other level. Now, repeatedly, Shirley can be heard pleading for all of this to stop. And she kept, like, saying things, you know, such as, like, no, no. Um, at the same time as sounds of Lawrence, like, hitting her with a sledgehammer or, like, the pliers from the toolbox can be heard on a tape recorder that he had switched on after entering um, the back of the van. And Roy later described hearing just constant screams the whole time. Um, emanating from the rear of the van as he was driving. He says that, like, the screams never stopped. They were just constant and, like, never ending the whole time. Now, shortly after Roy had switched places with Lawrence, he himself, he switched on the tape recorder that Lawrence used to record a lot of the time that he had been in the rear of the van with Shirley and, you know, Roy was kind of, like, getting in on it, too. He was like, go ahead and scream or I'll make you scream. Um, and then Shirley was like, I'll scream if you stop hitting me. And Norris just, he just encouraged her to keep going until they eventually ordered her to stop. Now... Roy then reached for the sledgehammer as Shirley was screaming, and he struck her once on the left elbow. Um, and then he so he ended up breaking her elbow. And Shirley was hit 25 consecutive times on the same elbow with the sledgehammer. Um, oh, as she was just like continuously screaming and like crying. Wow. 
I know. I can feel the pain on my elbow as you say that. And it hurts a lot. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine because you know, when you just like bump your elbow into like a table or a wall or something and it like yeah, kills. And the arms fly out and the tears tingle your eyes. and Yeah. And so this guy's just bashing her elbow 25 times with a freaking sledgehammer. Oh, poor Shirley. I know. And then they wanted her to scream and cry out too. Like they were like doing anything they could to like encourage her to be like screaming and crying the whole time. How do people get off on that? That's just freaking I know. And, and psycho and you would think after like you know how he was saying like it was it was just constant the screaming like it was just nonstop. Like you would think something would kick in in your brain to be like, oh my gosh, like, like this is fucked up. But it like I don't know, it like motivated them to like keep going. Like it was some sort of like energy for them or something. Well, like there's sick people and then they get off on it and it's so sick. So after approximately two hours of captivity, Norris or Roy, he killed Shirley by strangling her with a wire coat hanger, um, which he had tightened with pliers. Shirley didn't react to much of the act of the strangulation, um, although she did die with her eyes open. And Lawrence then opted to get rid of her body on like a random lawn in order to view the reaction from the press. So like they did, they did it very differently with Shirley than they did it with all of the other girls, you know, they kind of had like a set, you know, every, everything, not everything was exactly the same in each case, but they kind of had like an idea, like an outline of their plan. But with Shirley, it seemed like they kind of did everything differently this time. Um, so after they had left her body on the lawn, um, the two drove to just a random house in Sunland where Roy got rid of her, um, the rest of her body in like a bed of ivy on a front lawn. Now her body was found by a jogger the next morning and an autopsy revealed that, you know, in addition to have having been sexually violated, she did die of strangulation after receiving extensive blunt force trauma to her face, head, breasts, and her left elbow. Um, and she sustained just a ton of fractures from it. Her genitalia and her rectum had been torn, um, mostly caused in part by Lawrence, who he was inserting pliers inside of her body. And then in addition, her left hand had a puncture wound and a finger on her right hand had been completely slashed. And Lawrence would later claim that the tape recording that the pair had created of Shirley's clear abuse and torture, 
he says that it offered nothing other than the evidence of a threesome adding that toward the very end Shirley was screaming for him and Roy to kill her like what is are you I mean obviously he's mentally off but like are you fucking stupid that's what you're gonna claim is happening like he's fucking stupid (laughs) so then in November of that same year so just like about a month later Roy, he had became um, reacquainted with a friend named Joseph Jackson, um, who this was a guy who he had previously been incarcerated at the California men's colony with. And Roy had confided in Jackson regarding all of his and Lawrence's crimes that they had done over the previous five months. Um, And he like when he was telling jackson this he was including like graphic details of all of the murders and specifically the murder of um shirley ledford which she was the only victim whose body had been found at this time and then roy also told jackson that in addition to the five murders that he and Lawrence had committed there had been three additional incidences in which he and Lawrence had abducted or attempted to abduct young women who had either they either like escaped or had they had raped them but they were released so there were five murders total and then three other girls that did get away and once this Jackson guy that he knew heard all of these confessions. He immediately consulted his attorney, which was like very smart on his part, you know, not to just like brush it off and not tell anybody. Um, and his attorney advised him to inform authorities right away. And Jackson agreed. And he and his attorney informed the LA police department who in return relayed the two men to the Hermosa Beach Police. Now, a detective named Paul Bunham, he was assigned to investigate Jackson's claims, um, you know, about Roy's confession of all the murders and attempted abductions and rapes that he had confided to Jackson in and occurred between June to October. Detective Bunham, he initially noted that Jackson's statements as to Roy's confessions did match reports on file of several teenage girls who had been reported missing over the previous five months. So he was kind of putting that together and being like, okay, this could be like actually a legit confession. And in addition, the incident that Roy had confided to Jackson in where he claimed that he and Lawrence had sprayed mace in the face of a woman who had then been dragged into Lawrence's van and raped by both of them. It did match a report filed in relation to an incident that occurred on September 30th. Um, And in this filed report, a young woman, her name was Robin Robeck. She says that she was sprayed in the face with mace before being dragged into a van and raped by two Caucasian men in their mid-30s before being released. So, matched 
exactly up to their description and his confession and her report. So although she had reported the abduction and rape to police, they were unable to identify the assailants because, you know, they couldn't exactly find where they were. And she didn't have like a clear description of the van or a license plate number or anything like that. So Detective Bunham, he dispatched an investigator to visit Robin at her residence in Oregon. And they were like showing her different pictures of mugshots um, just to see if anything sparked a memory, if any of those guys looked familiar. And without hesitation, Robin immediately identified two photos um, that were shown to her. She's like, these are the guys who kidnapped and raped me. The same guys that I saw on September 30th. And, you know, not surprisingly, the two individuals that she identified were Lawrence and Roy. So investigators were kind of like, ding, ding, ding. We, we got the guys. It matches all of these crimes that he confessed to. His friend Jackson all match up to all these other crimes that we haven't solved. And now we have a clear witness who was actually involved in it and is like, these are the two guys. So on November 20th, 1979, Lawrence Bideker and Roy Neuris were ultimately arrested. The charges came about after Roy had told his prison friend about their crimes and went to authorities. So after his arrest, Roy turned on Lawrence. Roy agreed to plead guilty and testify against Lawrence in order to escape the death penalty. And in April of 1981, he was then sentenced to 45 years to life in prison. Which I think it's kind of funny. He like turned on him, but he's the one that got them caught. You know, like he's the one that told his friend, but then he turned on Lawrence. I mean, just to like get a better deal for himself. Uh, shady, shady. Very much so. Um, and then Lawrence, he faced 26 charges, including five counts of murder, five counts of kidnapping, criminal conspiracy, rape, oral copulation, sodomy, and being an ex-felon in possession of a firearm. So he was convicted on all of the counts, and he was then sentenced to death on March 22nd, 1981. Is this what you're going to tell us? But in three years, they got out. Oh, my gosh. That would be... That would be a joke. Like, I would move to Canada. <laughs> Just because of these two guys, if they got out, I would move. Because we've had so many, like, cases where we've talked about people getting out so early. Like, including them, you know. If you listen to last week's episode, they just kept going back and forth in and out of the system without, like, any repercussion. So that, but like these are so gruesome and so intense, that would just be a whole other level. 
So what you're saying is these ones actually stuck. Well, thankfully. Um, so if you want to know where the toolbox killers are now, um, they are both now dead. <laughs> so that's a positive. <laughs> um, so four decades after killing the five young women, Lawrence, he died of natural causes on death row um, at the age of 79 in San Quentin State Prison on December 13th, 2019. So he was, you know, meant to, he was sentenced to death, but he didn't actually get, you know, what is the term, like euthanized? Yeah, he didn't get the chair. He didn't get. Like, yeah, he just died of like natural causes while he was in there. And then Roy Norris, he died at the age of 72, also of natural causes in prison about two months later after Lawrence died. Um, and if you want to kind of dive deeper into all of this, you can hear specifically Lawrence Bittaker's thoughts on the murders and like the latest efforts to recover the bodies of the other girls um, because their bodies were never found. Um, and you can watch this on Peacock. It's called The Toolbox Killer. Um, so just if you're interested in the story and kind of want to dive deeper into like Lawrence's thought process and like all of his commentary on everything um, and like what investigators are doing now still with the cases. Um, I would suggest watching that. Um, I got a lot of my info from Oxygen and Wiki Crime. But yeah, that kind of wraps up the part two of the Toolbox Killers. Um, I mean, we've had some pretty gruesome or sickening people that we've talked about on this show but I think they might really take the cake or they're like really high up there on the list yeah the Ken and Barbie killers are pretty gruesome yeah they're pretty close I just Every like once in a while we find a super dark one <laughs> yeah I know we gotta we gotta throw them in there every now and then, unfortunately. But yeah, it's just like the form, like the the amount of like torture that they put all of these girls through. I don't know. It just like makes my stomach hurt <laughs> thinking about it all. Yeah, I think if I was gonna be murdered, I'd rather it be done quickly. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, for, sure. for days, the agonizing pain, the, that, I would just, I can't handle that. No. Because then you're not even just, like, physically being tortured. It's, like, mental torture, too. Like, it's just, like, and you can't even go anywhere because they're holding you captive in this van. So I'm glad that they both did ultimately get caught. And I mean, they died, but they died of old age. It's not like, you know, whatever, but. <laughs> and this is why I always say vans 
these days should legally have to have windows and legally have to have some kind of business or something on the van that is very specific. I completely agree. So if you're a landscaping, your landscaping title should be on it. If you're a plumber, then it should have what plumbing company you work for, but it should be very labeled, descriptive, and have to have windows. Yeah, definitely, because there's too much, like, shady shit that goes on. Like, whether it's, like, people like them or if people are just, like, kidnapping, like, kids or, like, have drugs or whatever in the back. Like, I just don't even want to know the amount of crimes that have happened in vans like that. Because, yeah, literally all of all of their crimes, not even just the five murders, but the other victims that they had, too, like, they all took place in this van. Yeah, so, like the one we did, um, you know, I'm going to draw a blank, but she was kidnapped. He cut off both of her arms. Uh, was her name Mary or something? Yes, Mary Vincent. Yes, Mary Vincent, yeah. Okay. Yeah, again, that was a hitchhiker in the 60s or 70s, and it was in a van, and he did a lot of it in the van. <laughs> like, banned freaking vans. Yeah. It's gross. But yeah, that was um that was the wrap up of the toolbox killers. Sorry again for darkening the beginning of your guys' week. <laughs> ah, that's what they're here for. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> well, I have a story coming next week and it's not as dark. Actually, you're I don't think you're lighting the mood a little bit for us. And I don't even think anybody dies. Oh my gosh, bonus. What the heck? I don't think. But yeah, that'll uh that'll be exciting where I'm just finishing up a little bit more homework that I have to do. And uh we'll we'll be back with that one next week. Yes, guys. So come back for Lowe's story next week. Um, and there'll be like a little twist on it too of something that we watched. Yes. And by that time, my kids will be out of school, so I won't be as tired. <laughs> Summer. I mean, I still work, but you know, you're right. Also, I'll be wrapping up, running their crazy asses all around. Right, exactly. You'll just have to run your own, your own around. <laughs> Couple more years, and they'll be driving themselves. And then you'll be, then you'll miss driving them around. Maybe, or I'll just be having constant anxiety of them on the road with the license, and they're That's driving, true. and other people's driving, and 
Um, my therapist made a good point when we were talking about it. She's like, you know, when we had driver's training, easy, breezy, whatever. Now these kids, they got to freaking learn how to do like roundabouts and shit. I actually don't mind roundabouts. Yeah, but we've been driving, so it's a lot easier for us to grasp the concept of it. That's true. Yeah, I feel like if, like, as I was learning, I was probably really stressed out about roundabouts. See, I didn't have any until I moved up here. That wasn't a thing. Okay. And my biggest thing was like, oh my God, I got to get on 75. What? (laughs) I was literally like, sharing clueless or Dion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that that was me like inside my brain while I was driving the freeway. I can just picture it now. <laughs> Even after I got my license, I tried to avoid them for a while. Oh, me too. I would like avoid them at all cost. Oh. Or I would make somebody else drive at that point. <laughs> yep. Now with this job, I'm all over the place. Justin has me going from one freeway to another pretty quickly so now you're an expert experts i'm experts yep exactly i did listen to what did i listen to i listened to who was he talking to oh jake gyllenhaal today i did listen to that one too so, I mean, he seems like a, you know, decent guy. I just, I'm not one of those people that go goo goo gaga crazy for him. Like, he's okay. I could take or leave him. Same. I'm not like, I'm not like a huge fan, but, you know, he's, he's all right. And I listen to, I feel like he listened to talk to somebody else. Did you listen to the Jonas Brothers one? I started it. I didn't get a chance to finish it. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I'll be catching up. Standing for my Joe Bros. I think they had um the one's wife on, too. Priyanka Chopra. Yeah, I listened to her. And that was a pretty good one. I just remembered her from Baywatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thanks for chiming in and listening and logging in and all the ends. Yes, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, and I'll come back next week for a brand new, brand new story. On that note, we got to go. Stay creepy. Bye. (laughs) Bye.